Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're here to talk about the third preseason game coming up against the Buccaneers in Tampa this Saturday night. Uh, we'll have that to get through and then a long wait of, uh, what, almost two weeks, I guess, to, to or 15 days for the regular season to begin, during which time there'll be uh, practice cutdowns and, and whatnot. But uh, joining me here to talk about what to look for in that last game against the Bucs is Fraser Tafard. Fraser, how you doing? Hey, Ken, how are you? Glad to be back on what's going to happen for the Bucks. Always a pleasure. Uh, the third preseason game, we were just talking about it a minute ago off air. Uh, oftentimes, not too many decisions really made here. But I think there are a couple of things going on. One is there's some developmental live fire for some players who will not see any live fire this year. Uh, and there, Or any or almost none. And then there's also competition for the practice squad to come up here, even though there's probably not a lot of competition for roster spots on the line. Yep. I think that developmental piece is definitely crucial. Uh, like you said, there's going to be some people like maybe Sala or Ben Cleveland who mm-hmm. aren't going to get as many snaps this year, but it's going to be, it's going to be beneficial for them to get the reps right now. So when they step in, they're not super cold, like they're going against our defensive line. So they're going to be somewhat game ready, but to have that experience is invaluable. Yeah. And uh, other players uh, who will only really see practice reps the rest of the day, or, or at least that might be the case. Maybe some players like Travis Vokalek, uh, court, the backup quarterback situation uh, in particular, Anthony Brown, because Johnson may well be a part of either this team or some other team when mm-hmm. camp is broken. Uh, you know, we, we, we do have questions about running back, but I don't think either of those guys, honestly, that are not going to make the team, at least as I see it. Uh, and, and then some offensive linemen, as you mentioned, uh, you know, what happens to Sala? What happens to Ben Cleveland? Uh, they have some other guys on the line who are competing for practice squads, most notably to Sean Manning, who's gotten more playing time than the other backup linemen so far. Uh, but we'll go through each of those positions and uh, and talk through what we're looking for in this uh, third game. How about we start at tight end and lead us into this here in terms of your thoughts about tight end? Uh, I'm Travis Vokalek really shined last week, and it's making it really tough for the Ravens to come to a concise decision on what we want to do. Do we let Patrick Ricard walk and reset the clock with Vokalek. I think he's such a passing threat. Someone like the Patriots might pick him up. Just it's, it's inevitable. I don't think he's going to get to the practice squad. He's not going to clear waivers. I think someone is going to be interested in him. So I think we're at a point where we got to figure out how to get him on the roster. And is there a market for Pat Ricard? 
So certainly a possibility. So a couple things about this. First of all, they save some money on Ricard. And by the way, I think we'd agree. It really doesn't matter what Vokalek does in the third game at this point, other yeah. than get hurt. You know, you wouldn't want that. But but the uh, if if there was a, um, you know, he's not he's not going to make the roster based on having another two touchdown game in this third week. Yeah, for sure. I think he's shown what he can do on the field. I think it's just a matter of the numbers at this point. Right. And yet he's going to play a fair amount. So there is some risk being taken. I guess they could they could give a lot of his snaps away to Ben Mason if they really exactly. wanted to 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 do it. But um yeah, you know, a couple things come to mind in terms of vocal act. First of all, uh can he line up in the backfield and be in the neighborhood of the effectiveness of Ricard as a lead blocker? Mm-hmm. And then also, how much of a difference is there in terms of his blocking on the edge if he's to be considered for that? Yeah, I think it's more so his footwork. Can he stay in front of the level two, level three, uh, the linebackers and the DBs? It's more so space game at that point rather than strength at the line of scrimmage. So if we can see him excel in that stance, then it's almost inevitable. It's an easy pick because... I like him as a red zone threat as he is kind of big. So his speed is a little bit in the lackluster category, but he makes it up for his size and his hands. Yeah, definitely. The the zipper play in particular. So going up high, the back of the end zone, three defenders around him was still virtually non-defensible that play because he has a much higher reach than the other players around him. And the ball was zipped in there pretty well. Uh, is one of those plays that really makes you kind of wake up and open your eyes to Travis Hokalek in terms of, of what he can give you. And the other play, he didn't hurt his chances at all either by yakking it in from, I think he caught the ball at about the five yard line and he imposed his physical, his size on the two defenders near the goal line to get in. It's ironic. I think Mark Andrews had the same scenario for his first touchdown in the league in 2008 against Cincinnati. I think it was week two or week three. He had the same style. He caught it short and just punched it in with his brute strength. So it's good to see that from him, even though it is the preseason. It's it's encouraging. Yeah. Tough decision on Ricard. Ricard, there's about a $1.75 million in savings if you cut him. There's a $4 million savings this year. You mentioned the reset. It really does look like it's a comparison of one year of Ricard versus four years of Vocalec. The concern I would have with it is if Vokalek, who probably will not be active for a bunch of games, if we're really looking at this honestly, you know, it'll be Kolar who who might be doing the Ricard role a lot of these weeks. Um, if Vokalek's not active for a lot of games, are you potentially sacrificing the ability to hold the lead effectively? which is something that showed up in spades in this last game, is that the, the Ravens ran eight plays in the last 14 minutes and they um, barfed up the lead because they really couldn't run the football effectively. Yeah, I think it's it's going to be a tough call because you do have to weigh the opportunity cost into either having a pass threat or having the sure thing, being able to spring runs when you need it. So, again, if we had Greg Roman running the offense, it'd be a sure it'd be a sure decision. We're keeping Ricard. But now that we have this new offense with Monken, it's going to be 
he likes tight ends. He knows how to use tight ends, obviously. So do we really need Ricard? He had a nice catch in the preseason. I mean, he had a DB draped all over him and made it in traffic. But mm-hmm. is that enough? Like, it was ironic he made that play because he's such on the bubble. It's like, dang, what are you going to do now? It's Travis had a good game, and he had that big catch. It was. It's hard. It's a hard decision right now. Outrageously good blocking game from Ricard mm-hmm. too, and yep. I, I, you know, there's just times when you have to play point of attack offense, and it's all, it's a fourth down thing. It's a uh, it's a it's a protect the lead thing. You really just have to be able to do these things well. And I understand the sacrifice of an eligible receiver is something you don't like, but he has a lot of toys. Uh, Monken has a lot of toys to work with, and I would think, you know, you, you'd like to not add similar toys mm-hmm. to the to you know to the to the shelf here when you have a very different you know imposing physical player um but that said i i'm in agreement with you i think vocalect they try and get him on the practice squad and there's going to be two hurdles the first is he might get claimed because blocking tight ends are are sought after and and hard to find across the nfl that's why you know tomlinson stayed around the league for as long as he did for example but also even if he doesn't get claimed where some team has to put him on the roster for three weeks, he might get outbid for a practice squad spot. Somebody else may be saying they're not bidding in terms of money because he's going to make the same money anywhere he goes, but there'd be bidding in terms of the opportunity. opportunity. Yeah. That, that they, the new team has, you know, a thinner depth chart at tight end that might might be more attractive to him. Yeah, I think on a personal level, that might be the case. I think if you looked at it in the grand scheme of things, he's developing under all-world tight end and Mark Andrews. Mm-hmm. You might be able to go to another practice squad on another team and get your opportunity faster, but he might think he's ready. I think all athletes have that mentality, but he might hit reality, kind of like Geno Stone when he was on the practice squad bubble. He went to Indianapolis. It didn't work out. He comes back. And it's it's worked out so far. So yeah. it's it's more so about him trying to develop rather than trying to go for the opportunity if he sees the big picture. But Gino's just... a great example, by the way, because he's that combination versatile defender and and good defensive player. Play play free safety. Probably could play dime. Definitely can play split on the back end. Uh, so you can play a lot of different roles within that safety room. And he's also the special teams captain. So, exactly. uh, you know, this this organization really values that. And if he if once he makes the decision that he's not going to make a lot of money in the NFL, and I mean he's not going to get a twenty million dollars second contract, you know, he he could choose to be an NFL survivor, as a lot of players have with the Ravens, and you know, play eight years in the league, nine years in the league, being a special yeah. teams ace and backup safety. Yeah. So, yeah, bringing up that situation, I think Vokalek can save himself that struggle. Even though it did work for Gino, still, it's he can develop very well under this offense and under this personnel. All right, well, let's move on to the wide receiver group. And, and uh, Wallace had his second straight back shoulder catch for a touchdown, second in two games. Both really well-thrown balls from two different quarterbacks, I think. The first one was Huntley, and the second one was... Um, uh Johnson if I recall correctly yep and really nice to see that uh D- 
do you see him as having secured a WR6 spot, or do you think there's still some competition there or even the possibility the Ravens only want to carry five? Um, John Harbaugh said during a presser that they were going to keep wide re- six wide receivers, right? I don't remember hearing that, but I, I, I even if he had said it, I'd right, say yeah. circumstances are what they are at the time you have to set the roster. I think it's tough. I think Wallace looks really, really smooth. Like it's, it's a noticeable difference between him and the back half of the roster. Uh, he's looking like he's running with a purpose this year, and I just we have so many other spots that we need to fill, like figuring out what to do with Ricard and uh, Vokalek. It's so many spots that we want. But wide receiver six is definitely Tylen Wallace, Wallace if we go that route, right. for sure. You know, it's interesting because the roster, normally the roster is 25, 25, and three, offense, defense, and Wolfpack. And mm-hmm. they don't deviate from that. And it's like probably both sides are screaming if, it, if there's ever variations. But this is a year that 100% of the handshake players – are on the defensive side. And I think they actually could have a, a unbalanced roster this year at on cutdown day. And then they'll be back to 25, 25, three prior to week one, uh, because they'll, they'll, they'll have a number of handshake players that they, you know, four maybe that they use to get people onto the roster with minor injuries that don't return until week four or later. Mm-hmm. And then they um, reset the roster by bringing those, those, those guys back uh, onto the week one roster. Yep. It's, um, it's going to be really interesting how we maneuver this year. I think we have talent that we need and cannot afford to let go. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's going to be, it's really interesting. I think, I don't know why this year it seems like the depth is crucial. I think cause we're kind of in this last second window for Lamar. Right. And and I think a lot of the depth is crucial. And particularly when we get to the running back position, there's one of the key ones there is is that, you know, they don't have a lot of players under contract for 2024. They have a huge number of UFAs, most of whom are going to be leaving and they're not going to be able to afford to sign. Kevin Zeitler, I think he's gone. You know, JK is probably gone. They may find a way. Uh, Edwards is probably gone. Uh, Matabike is almost certainly gone because he'll, he'll be substantial money if he has any kind of year like we expect him to have. I'm forgetting somebody, but, but anyway, they, they, there's a lot of fourth-year players who are, who are ready to go, and they've got to figure out how are we planning for 2024, not just 2023, as they go into this game. Yeah, it's, there's going to be a lot of positions where we can have options. I think uh, running back is definitely one of them, and Mitchell – I think he's one of the guys that we can reset with. Uh, we already talked about tight end Vokalek as well. So mm-hmm. we have options around the board, but it's just a matter of can we, we have to be able to equilibrium veterans and future potential at the same time. Yeah, I I, I normally, I, you know, I completely agree with the way that's said. I, th- I think they need to go unbalanced in the form of youth at the back end of the roster with the veterans who are leaving. So 
I'm particular. I mean, there are some some fourth year players around this year who you got to say, while I would love to keep these guys, it just doesn't make sense. And Ricard actually, he's not a fourth year player, but he fits into this thing exactly. He's a he's a one year of inexpensive control. So they could go. They could go back to him, by the way, and 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 have his contract reduced for this year and next year. Say, so take a half a million cut this year and a million cut next year, and then he's in position to make the roster now and next year. Yeah, I think uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough because I know Ricard wants to be under contract. And no player wants to get released straight mm-hmm. up, and I think if we were to bring him back after cut down day would he take the vet minimum maybe that's an interesting point so if you if you just cut him gotta i gotta believe there's there's maybe a little bit over the vet minimum yeah and there's other teams i think that would want him too hmm. I, don't, I don't know i i really it's it's an interesting thing so it's, it's you know you could obviously if if you're going to try and re-sign him for something over the vet minimum then just go ahead and negotiate it now yeah, everybody's adults at the table. They know they know the business of football. If you need to reduce them by a half million this year and a million next year, like I said, you know, it, it probably is an agreement that they could reach if you know it's it's if if they if they sit down and logically talk through that process. Yeah. Yeah. Let's move on here because I think we, we need to make some uh make some pace here. But uh at QB you know, there's some talk about it during the during the um, broadcast about the race not really being completely over between Tyler Huntley and Josh Johnson, and then of course Josh Johnson had just a huge game in terms of what he did. The only, you know, the only basically a drop by Kolar and a drop by Prochet that went for the interception away from a perfect game. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think they came out in the first quarter on that first drive and really set the tone. They um. They had some effective plays. Uh, unfortunately, I think it was on the second or third drive. We had that miss block by Falele going on the sweep mm-hmm. to the right. And uh, Gordon just couldn't make the play, obviously, because he had a defender wide open coming towards him. But overall, I think the offense showed a lot of pop. Uh, the only thing that Huntley has over Josh Johnson is the mobility aspect. I think when you have a quarterback like Lamar, it's it's going to be essential that you can have a plug and play rather than maybe recreate the wheel like we did in 2018 when we went from Joe to Lamar. Mm-hmm. Kind of keep it in the same sense of offense so we're not going back to the drawing board on what works, what doesn't work. It's interesting. I, I would have said, first of all, I, I, I like the fact that Josh Johnson had a couple good runs in this game. He had a design run for six or seven yards, and he had a scramble for also six or seven yards um, that, that both looked pretty good. It looked like he, he knew what he was doing from the mesh point, and he also knew what he was doing when he had to take off and actually ran one of his linemen. I think it might have been Falele out of a pressure. So those those were both good runs. Had very, very happy with that. I think, you know, I, I was in the kind of in the camp and now I convinced myself slightly in the other direction that the tenure and age of the players doesn't really matter at this point because both of them are UFAs at the end of the year. So you have to pay market value anyway. So why keep Huntley, even if he's 27 or whatever age he is, I should know that, but because it's about the third show this has come up on, well, as opposed to keeping Johnson at age 37. 
because both are UFAs at the end of the year. But it's not quite that simple because it could be a case where if Huntley is forced to play for you, there might even be a compensatory draft pick involved if he were to get in, sign somewhere else. So maybe a slight additional factor the other way. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting when we get to cut down day. Are they going to keep two, let one go, or keep three and let uh, Anthony Brown go? I think uh, Brown had a good game um, throwing the ball. He was a little hesitant in the beginning of the third quarter. But uh, the only real issue I had with him was, I think, the drive before Washington went down and scored. Um, He had that big run to the right. Yep. Didn't go down in bounds. That was a tough, tough play for me to see. I was just like, I was furious. Even though it was a playoff game, I was like, that's IQ to it. You can't let that happen. Right. It's impossible. Profanity at the screen when when I saw that. And then the very next play is a little short pass to the right. And Owen Wright really tried to go down in bounds. You could see him trying to hold up, and then he just got basically thrown out of bounds and they and they blew the they blew the whistle. Yeah. Rather than, you know, let the clock run there. Of a uh bad couple of plays that may well have cost the Ravens that ball game. You know, it's it's an exhibition game. You still want to play football like you understand how football games are won. Yeah, I think it would that that personally, I think that's what cost us the game in the end because that clock runs and maybe Todd Munkin doesn't call that play. I think maybe he goes a little more conventional and tries another run and burns more clock. It's it's a lot of chain reactions that go on with that, but I think that was a telltale sign for Anthony Brown on where he's at in his career. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, it, it certainly was unfortunate. Let's move on here. Talk about the running back situation. I think we're going to, we're going to forgo the discussion of how well Keaton Mitchell played in this last game and just say, are you convinced that Mitchell really has to have a spot at this point as I am, or do you think there's any chance they could slip him onto the practice squad? I think he has to have a spot. Um, with the injury he had at the end of the game, what's the possibility we can IR stash him and then potentially put Ricard as the fourth running back? He was, I mean, first of all, I, I guess they could do that, but they, he was already back at practice. So, oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. So, and so was Washington for the way. So, thank goodness, you know, in both yeah, of those cases. Sure. Uh, he only had one run in the whole game. That's what really surprised me. It seems like he was around the football more. He did he did catch a pass from minus three plus nine, so a six-yard pass from minus three plus nine, like that yak. And then he ran the ball for 31 once to the right side. And it really showed off the speed from a, a variety of players. Also had the good return, you know, on the on the kickoff. And uh, he could well be the guy for that uh, as, the, as the season starts if they don't want to take the same risk with Duvernay. I, I would guess they'd probably stick with Duvernay to start with at least. Uh. Yeah, I think he's shown his worth. And uh, he's definitely running back four. I think Gordon is out of the door. I think we might have Jim on speed dial if needed. I'm begging that's not the case, but just have him ready. Yeah. yeah I mean, it'd be nice to go through a season without, you know, a bunch of older backs that you're relying on for a, for a fair number of carries. And uh Simpson is a guy, obviously, who fits into their 2024 plans very well. Uh, Hill will still be here as well if he continues to look like he did in the preseason. 
Uh, and then they can make the choice and, and see if they can find the right price on either uh, JK or Gus for next year. Or maybe maybe it's just a case that they have to let them both go and they find somebody else in the draft. Yeah, they're going to have to get skinny somewhere because of Lamar's contract. So mm-hmm. it might be tough. All right, let's move on to the offensive line. The, the first thing in looking at this game for me was that the any competition between Simpson and Sala is certainly over. Mm-hmm. Uh, Simpson was outstanding. It was one of the at, at, of what is very rare in my scoring system is a perfect game, even in 31 snaps. So it's a reduced number of snaps. And when I do see a perfect game, it's usually like 16 out of 16 or 18 out of 18, which is below the threshold for me even giving a grade. But I, I can count on one hand in 18 years of doing this how many times ever anyone's ever had a perfect game in 30-plus snaps. And Yanda did it either once or twice, and hardly anybody else has ever done it. And it's, it, just, it, it was truly an outstanding game from Simpson. But here's, here's the thing that really gets me about this offensive line battle so far is the orchestration of this has been so well handled by Harbaugh that it gave the illusion of giving a chance to Salah when I think they knew the chance was still pretty small, pretty low. And at the same time, lit a fire under Simpson to fix a lot of the flaws in his game. And he gets his chance, as they said was planned all along, and it probably was because there was a whole lot negative about Salah at the point where he got swapped out. Yeah, I think... Yeah, I think we talked about that on on the first uh, preseason game on how Sala was just a placeholder to get Simpson's shit together. Mm-hmm. It's trying to get him over the hump. He had his issues in Chicago, but now he has opportunity in front of him to block for the best quarterback he's ever blocked for in his career. And he, he had a really good game. I think mm-hmm. he sprung... Uh, Justice Hill well on that run to the left. Uh, that one st- stood out to me. So he even played well at right guard. So mm-hmm. all around, he had a really good game. Yeah, it's uh, it's very promising in terms of that. And I, I, you know, right now, if he's the starting left guard, he's almost going to be locked into that position for the whole year. But looking at this roster, they don't have a lot of choices at left tackle in terms of fixing a situation if something happens to Ronnie. And I, I would I would not rule it out for Simpson to be the guy. I just I just would not rule it out. He has the proper length. Uh, he seems to be a fairly athletic guy, and he's got more of a left tackle build than a guard build if you just look at him physically. You seem to not be a fan of Sharp. Um, I'm not a tremendous fan of Sharp. I mean, I think he's had his chance now for what a couple of years to, yeah. to try and make a roster, and the Ravens. Ravens seem to like him. I think he's, you know, he's a backup choice at left tackle. I just, I kind of hope he's, he's not the third tackle, that he's really the fourth one. The first one will be McCary and the second, yeah. and then, and then you're really into emergency situations to the point where you really need to change the line. And I kind of hope it's Simpson and Sala on the left side at that point, rather than uh, Sharp and Simpson. Yeah. Although when I just I think, heard uh... those two options, I'm not sure. <laughs> Yeah, that's all good. I think uh, Salah did have a disappointing game. He didn't follow up from his performance against uh, Philly, particularly on the James Prochet bobble. Um, I think you might be giving James a little too much slack on this. I know he didn't 
catch the ball and he adjusted very poorly, but he should have had a wide open touchdown walk in. And if Salah doesn't whiff on his block, uh, Johnson's able to step into his throw and get into the back of the end zone wide open. So in the dynamic of a play, I think Prochet should have made it, but to say it was all his fault, it might be a little too much. So I think Salah deserves all the blame on that play. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't give him all the blame, but you're right. It's a pressure on a ball that was intercepted and definitely affected the flight of the ball. By the way, you're exactly correct in the way you describe it, is that it's not an ample time situation because uh, – uh, sorry, Huntley. Um, Johnson couldn't step into that throw, which is a very key element of allowing pressure. Is not you got to not let that cone get invaded that that, that quarterback needs to throw into. But I completely agree in, in terms of, of uh, it not being 100-0. I still think a fair amount of the, of the blame goes to Prochet, who let the ball go right through his hands. He's got at least – maybe that – maybe out. it turns yeah, – Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Touchdown, touchdown to an incomplete, that would have been okay. But touchdown to an interception, some of that's on Prochet. No, yeah, I think that part for sure. Because it was a close play on the sideline. I mean, the DB was barely inside. So a little more effort, maybe it went, it went that way. But – Alas, I think uh, Salah, um, he's he's not ready. I think he needs to keep developing. It's going to be crucial that he takes advantage of the opportunity we're giving him. Uh, he didn't even play at tackle, did he? No, oh, no he, hasn't, he hasn't seen time at tackle. And that'd be an interesting thing to see in this fourth game. Does Salah, does Salah play a little bit at right tackle, say? Do, yeah, I'm all for it. Back to his, yeah, yeah, I think. Because at this point, the experiment... I'm not going to say it's over, but it's shown its hand. I think uh, they have the tape on Sala playing in the inside of the offensive line. It's going to see maybe can he handle the outside rush and the outside responsibilities of playing in the NFL. Uh, and then that gives the potential of Ben Cleveland maybe potentially going to left guard after he starts at right guard. Yeah, so. v- valid idea again is that is that you, you can do some switcheroos in this game with most of the same players being out there, but the three guys who need the live fire in this game to me are Falele, Cleveland, and um, Saul. Yep. And, and and you know what? You want to throw a fourth one? It's probably sharp in terms of really seeing some time at tackle rather than just a few snaps uh, to see what they've got. Now, one of the other guests on the show suggested that Sharp might be somebody they're trying to hold back on because he's a size and shape left tackle mm-hmm. that they're not 100% sure that they can fit under the, or uh, slide onto the practice squad without a claim. That's personally why I like Sharp. I think he has the frame mm-hmm. to be a good left tackle. Obviously, it's just about executing on a high level every single play. But in the sense of build, I think he's our best option over McCary. Uh, McCary just has experience and um, he knows what to do. It's just, that's what's holding over Sharp. I think Sharp has had his opportunity with us, especially in 2020 when Ronnie went down and he just couldn't step up the way we needed him to. So, Yeah, he's now, he's been around. Now, David Sharp has absurd arm length at 35 and 3 eighths inches. So, for those of you out there, I think that's the only thing I'm looking at. I'm not. I, it is a is a great build thing. He is the right shape for a left tackle, and he almost certainly, not almost certainly, there's there's a reasonable chance that he'll be taken away from the Ravens if he if he goes to the practice squad. Um, 
But Simpson also has the length to play that position with with arms length of uh, arms north of 34 inches. And I can't, I honestly can't, as much as the length has been good, I don't think we've really seen the feet from David Sharp in his time with the Ravens. Yeah. I think that's the main thing. I think that's all what left the most dominant left tackles have the best feet. I think uh, mm-hmm. we've been blessed to see that with Ogden. We've been blessed to see that with Stanley. They both have, they're technicians at what they do. So if Sharp can maybe be half of that level, I think he could be serviceable. Yeah. Uh, Mustafer. Now he's an interesting case in terms of how they deal with him on the roster. Uh, Now they could go with a backup center entirely in this game and just give give it to Thomas, see what he can do all game. I think this may also be a case where they want to have some guy, have a guy who's going to be on the roster. At least I think he'll probably be on the roster. Uh, Maybe hone his uh, snapping game under live fire. Maybe, you know, still work on some combination blocks with some other backup linemen where continuity would, would potentially have value at a, at a date down the road. Uh, what do you think? How much action do you think he'll see in this game? I think he's proved a lot this preseason. Um, there's only been a handful of snaps where you kind of had an issue with it. I think overall he has been really good with the placement of his ball in the chest or in the stomach. Uh If he goes on to the squad without doing any releasing and trying to get through waivers, I think you do play him in the first quarter, maybe half the second, and get him out of there and put the Thomas back in for the rest of the game. But I think Mustaver is going to be crucial in the sense of not strapping McCarry into forcing him if... Linderbaum goes down, we have to plug McCarry in. No, we have a designated center available. So McCarry can swing as necessary. I, I completely agree with that. You, you'd rather keep McCarry as your backup tackle option. They're, they're going to also have to find out that McCarry is above the replacement level this year. And you know he's been he's been that occasionally over the course of the last few years, but not consistently. And uh, it's it's something that I want to make sure that that they do. But but that said, there's nobody else right now who's obviously better at at tackle than him. So he has to be it. But I would agree with you. You save your trump card if you can, and if you can make a one for one shift with Mustafa at center, who's been extremely he's been good, not just serviceable in this preseason. I I'd be excited about that. Yeah, it's just making sure that he can handle the pressure of being in the AFC North. I think we talked about this before, the defensive line. Big guys, yeah. All in division, are, they're top tier. They're not They're not any slouches. Yeah, and that uh, that obviously, you know, is one of the big deals with Simpson is I think I'm, I'm a lot more confident now that that A-gap is going to be less of a red flag to a bull uh, for opposing defensive coordinators. That people that they just want to bomb that a gap. It may still be the weakest, but it's but at least with Simpson and Linderbaum now, I think that that's a there's a higher probability of them being able to to deal with some of the uh, games that will be played on that gap. He looked like he handled stunts very well, especially him and uh yes Cleveland on the right. I think it was smooth all night. I think maybe Cleveland is better at on the right side. Period. Uh, I know he had that little hiccup with Jalen Carter. But I think he had a good game this game. How mm-hmm. how did he grade out? You know, I didn't I didn't do his grading, but I'll tell you, I think there were three partial pressures that he was party to. And I've got to bring up my notes here again. Let me go right to it. This just takes a second. 
Boom. Uh, yeah, he surrendered three full pressures. Um, here's the thing. He played the whole game 50 snaps. So mm. three full pressures is going to mean he's probably at best in the C range, but I didn't think that he had much else that really went poorly in the game. So I thought he was he was right in the middle and you know playing right guard and right tackle particularly with the with the effort there and and it being kind of a new position. I would love for him to be an average sort of a right tackle. If he could if he could do that and and you know play guard at a reasonable and 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 big level. By the way, that we did see some of that in this game. Cleveland moving people around, they're definitely a couple of plays. Yeah, like like we mentioned on it looked really good on that right side. I don't know what it was, especially in the second half. I didn't see any pressures really come through there. It was mostly through Salah's side, uh, just getting exposed with inexperience. Um, I hope we can... Cleveland's a tough... He's a tough case because he shows promise at times and then he falls off the face of the earth at times. So it's it's going to be tough to figure out what to do with him moving forward. Okay, so let's let's talk roster here because that's where this comes down to for this final game. You've got six guys who are on the roster for sure, and that's all the starters and McCarry mm-hmm. for starters. I don't think there's any question that they're going to not retain Salah on the roster because I think he would be he would be snatched up despite how poorly he's played in this preseason, yeah. based on a lot of things. <laughs> but you know, he, he, but I think he'd be he'd be scarfed up if they if they left him there. He's gotten a lot of press even nationally in terms of what's going on. Uh, with him. But I think one of Salah, Cleveland, Fa'alele, and Mustafer, of those four, I think they want all four on the roster, but I don't think they really want to roster 10 guys. So what I think they'll do is find one of them, the most beaten up of them from the preseason, move them onto IR to start the year, defer the decision four weeks, and that could be one of the handshake arrangements. That's my guess as to how this how this plays out. But I think 10, 10 off... <laughs> Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said done defensive linemen make the roster with the initial cuts and nine on opening day yeah i think mustafer might be that candidate for the put him on ir put him get him back in four weeks mm-hmm. time frame i think we have enough confidence in linderbaum that he's going to do his job he's not going to get replaced it's all about just making sure that he can stay healthy mm-hmm. uh for the time being we can put mccary in there if it god forbid is in between those four weeks but Mustafer would probably be that guy for me. Uh, I think Falele is invaluable in the sense of if Morgan Moses goes down, he would probably be the better at right tackle. You think mm-hmm. better than McCary? Uh, yes, I would. I would say he's he's got much better right tackle skills, and hopefully, you you don't. McCary's much more of a finesse player, obviously. Falele in theory, is a terrific power play, I think, power player. That's where he lacks is in terms of really using independent, um, you know, hands to mm-hmm. strike the opponent. He has much too, much too much contract, what 
contactless mirroring for a player as big as he is. He's wasting his gifts. Yeah. So, so far, Lele is definitely someone that we need to keep. And then, like you said, Cleveland and Salah and Must. Who was the other one? Uh, it's uh, Falele, Cleveland, Salah, and Mustafer plus the big six, we'll call it. Okay. Yeah. And so, so, and so think... three of those guys will be available for opening day. And honestly, it'll, you know, they'll only have eight guys active, so they can, they can choose their inactive among the three. Yeah. I think, I think that's probably how it'll play out in the end. Mustafer going on IR. Uh, let's go back to what we wanted to talk about here. Cause I think we got through the offensive line and that was a lot to do. And then let's get to the right thing here. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's move on to the defensive side of the ball here. Cause we haven't talked about that and we got to pick up the pace a little bit here. Sorry to do that to you. Um, I personally don't want to see Travis Jones in this third game. I, I think he's shown all he needs to show. I think you bubble wrap him get him to the opener as dominant as he's been. And and there's absolutely no need that I can see to have him out there. Yeah. I think we have to preserve as many players as we can at this point. Um, we're going to have to put Brett Urban back, back out there and you know how I feel about that. So yeah. Another player that we cannot afford to lose. So yeah, Urban and Blackson, both handshake deal guys, almost certainly they're both making if they're not making exactly the minimum, they're making very close to the minimum, and they're, they're, they're just obvious guys that you cut and return with. Um, both of them are uh, are important to the team, and I think the team really wants to carry six defensive linemen and not five. I think they've been burned by that in the past. And honestly, both Blackson and Urban have looked terrific in this preseason. Yeah, and that was something we were looking for last week on how Blackson would be deployed, and mm-hmm. it seems like we are going to keep him in the plans going forward. Uh it might be like you noted. It's in between Caesar, Bots, and Nichols to impress for that final bubble spot. But I think Nichols has definitely shown a lot. I think he played well in the second quarter and the second half of the Commanders game. Um, I'm looking to see if he can build on that going against a bunch of second, third, and fourth stringers. I liked what Caesar did, and it was surprising as a pass rusher because he's more or less a pure nose tackle and uh, a guy who had a quarterback hit and a pass defense in a relatively, well, actually, frankly, a relatively long night of rushing the passer. But getting those three guys plus a little bit of Urban and Blackson to get us through an entire preseason game, you want to shorten that game. You really want to shorten that game. I think both teams will be highly incented to do that anyway. I hope this is not a game where we need to see everything from Monken's offense in terms of speed and space. Let's go at a high pace, blah, 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 blah. I mean, these aren't even the guys who are going to be playing during the, during the regular season. Let's grind this freaking game out and get it over with. Cause I think the Ravens have probably as few decisions as any team in the NFL still to make on their roster. Yeah. Uh, let's let's go move over to corner. Uh, Stevens and Seymour played a ton in the first game. They seem to have, I think, pretty well locked up their roster spots, particularly by the second game deployment, each playing only two series. Mm-hmm. Still obviously a chance. The Ravens go out and find another corner. Um, then Darby has not seen action yet. Do you put him out there for a series or two at corner, probably with the um orders not to get involved in any run plays i think uh, <clears throat> i think darby is going to need to play week 
I mean, sorry, in the first drive at least, get his feet under him and ready to go into the regular season. I think he might get the same treatment as uh, <clears throat> what Stevens got last week, just getting him in the motion and getting him ready. Uh, mm-hmm. Seymour looked good. I think he looked really good on that left side. It seems like they like to stick their corners on one side and not let them go in between. Favorite Kind of like we've seen. Yep. Like how we had for Humphrey and uh, Peters. Peters Mm -hmm. is usually a left side corner if you're facing the defense. He's Peters' defensive left – sorry, is a left cornerback, which means he's on the offensive right side. Exactly. Yeah. So – it's it's interesting to see how they deployed that, and then Ardarius Washington just completely locking up the middle. I mean, the nickel all night. It was really impressive to see him not have too many issues. Uh, gave up some plays here and there, but that's going to happen when you're playing every snap at a, at nickel. So it was impressive to see the cornerbacks last game. It's going to be interesting to see how we deploy the back half of this cornerback room because this is where our depth needs to develop, especially with what's been happening with the cornerback top half of the cornerback room. Uh, I know Rocky Asin came back to practice the other day. It's, it's a matter of time that someone else might go down. So we just need to continue to have people ready to go and see if they can handle at least third stringers and four stringers in the NFL. So here's my question for you. Ardarius Washington has played a ton of snaps already in this preseason. I don't see any need for him to play anymore. There's nothing left to prove. He's made the team. He's the starting slot corner as far as I'm concerned. Um, he should. I, I. My own personal view is he should sit this game out. If he does play at all, same thing as Darby maybe. Let's see if they get a chance to play together, maybe play one series, but – you know, slot corner in particular, much more physical position. He really has to be involved in run plays normally. I would just prefer to see him sit out of this one. How do you feel about that? Yeah, same way. He did have a little scare near the end of the game mm-hmm. uh, on that knockout. But we do need to keep him under wraps and ready to go for week one because he's crucial to freeing up Kyle Hamilton freeing up Stevens, freeing up everyone on this defense because if we can get someone to man that nickel roll and once Humphrey comes back, he can worry about the outside and we can figure out who's going to man him on the other side when he comes back, either Rocky in or a combination of Stevens and Seymour. I'm interested to keep him out of the game. I don't want him the game at all tomorrow in, in a way Friday. isn't it even more of an important thing to keep him out of the game when stevens and seymour are already cornerbacks three forgetting you know with humphrey out our cornerbacks mm-hmm. three and four on the outside as it stands now but our darius is one in the slot you, you it really would be a, a a nightmare to lose our darius at this point i don't want to overstate the fact but but you know it, having Hamilton play where you really want him to play is a point I've made the whole off season is that they need to, to, to make him into a superstar and the tail can't wag the dog in terms of, of him having to move around to fill a need at slot corner. Yeah. I think uh, it's tough that we didn't get to see Pepe Williams get a chance at slot. He was last year. He's shown a lot of promise before he got hurt. Uh, 
same Arthur Millette, he hasn't even really touched the field at all. I think he had maybe one, two, three practices, and he was gone after that. So it seems like we have things under wraps and behind the scene, but week one starts in less than two weeks or a little bit over in two weeks. So we need to figure out how we can deploy the back half when the front half is ready to go. And then how do we factor in the other pieces coming back from injury in the middle of the season? Yeah, that's a, that's a real question because you you in particular with Pepe, who you mentioned, they either have to put him on season-ending IR, not use a roster spot on him, or they have to use one of their handshake trump cards uh, to get him onto the roster as one of fifty-four through fifty-seven. And either way, um, it's it's not an ideal situation. You, 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 in his case, given how well Washington has played given the fact that they do have some other options at nickel, even though they're not great in terms of a Mollette and B Hamilton, I guess um, I, th- I would be inclined to think that they're just going to stick him on season ending IR and not, uh, not mess with trying to get him on the roster. But I don't really, obviously Harbaugh's not saying exactly when he's expected to be back. Just not that it's a season. It's not expected to be a season ending injury. Um, but that doesn't mean that you're really excited about getting Pepe Williams back in say week 10. If you know, you, you have to use up one of your important handshake deals to start the season to, to get that accomplished. Yeah. I think, uh, Pepe is definitely a interesting case because he can bring a lot of depth when he gets healthy. But like you said, do we keep him on the, team for the initial cut and then do the handshake deal but we have so many people on the bubble mm-hmm. is he worth that deal and i don't know it's tough because that's going to be another year off his uh tenure yep. and that's one less year of control yeah i mean he'll be a year three player he'll be he'll start squarely on the bubble next camp if he doesn't produce he's probably gone um, and it's an unfortunate situation but that's just the life of an nfl player is that you know availability can just be a killer if you if you don't have it. Let's talk about Arthur Mollette for a second because he has two hundred twenty thousand of guaranteed money in his contract. I think it's a sunk cost at this point, given how little he's actually played during camp. But is he a guy that you might want to use? A so you can't pl- let's say you don't play him in this final game, and I think that the 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 desire is going to be to have him play and see what he can do. But let's say you don't play him in this final game. Would you then try and um, put him on the roster via one of these handshake agreements? And then you maybe have a backup slot corner uh, starting in week four. What's the opposite? What's the. Why? uh, I don't know how to phrase this. Mm -hmm. Why isn't he able to be one of those handshake deals? I mean, he's a fourth year player. Okay, okay. Let me check. So Let me check. Confirm go. that's correct. I think that's right. No, that's not true. He's a seventh year player. He can, in fact, be a handshake guy. Yeah. I had this. I, I, who, who am I thinking that I had wrong? Is Mustafer who I was looking at? He's a fourth year player, and I didn't really remember that. But oh. he he can't be handshake. He'd, he'd go through the waiver process if he did. Um. So it's a possibility. Um. Uh. And and maybe that's what they do. And in fact. I think the risk of losing Mollette off your practice squad is actually pretty limited right now. So maybe it makes sense. Bring him back when you need him. Yeah. 
I think that's a good, yeah. good, good deal. All right. Uh, if you bring him back after week two, you know they have to at least re-sign him. But if you bring him back after week two, he's got his guaranteed money, but he's not guaranteed on the back end if the Ravens cut him at some point during the season. Yeah, that's a really good quick out on that option. Talking about the the rest of the guys on the roster now, and it's incredible that we're at this point with JAD, who was a fourth round draft pick last year, but has mm-hmm. missed all five of his potential preseason games and has something like fifty snaps of of play in the NFL. Uh, he's got to find a way to get on the field. Um, I I would think this last game is a significant audition for him, and there aren't very many in terms of of this team, but he and Hayes and Kelly at the cornerback spots ought to get most of the reps in this game. And I would think that uh, there really is a competition potentially between JAD and Hayes for that last roster spot. Yeah. uh, It's been really disappointing from JAD. I expected him to play against the commanders, but obviously they didn't work out. So he needs to play the whole game coming up. I don't think he should have one drive, one playoff. He needs every single rep. Uh, Kai Blue Kelly had some good plays last week. I think, obviously, the one really big exciting play is when he had to hit on the two-point conversion to stop. I think that was that was kind of encouraging to see him make that play, maybe gain a little confidence. So going into this game, maybe that can kind of go into his pass coverage game in the sense of feeling a little more comfortable with the speed of the game, understanding concepts that are going in front of him and behind him. Mm-hmm. And no, there's no substitute for live fire. Uh, he, he just, he hasn't had it and he, and he needs to get it. Um, and it's, it's true of both of them. Um, it, meaning JD and Kelly in Hayes case, he's a third year player. He's a smaller guy and he is a guy that I really hadn't considered as a slot possibility. Obviously played pretty well on the outside in this game. Uh, but he did also make a tackle downhill for a loss of one. So two passes that were, were targeting him were downhill tackle, loss of one, and interception. So if you want to try and make a football team during the preseason, that's a good way to do it, not be targeted otherwise during the game. But the other thing that comes out of that is for a 5'9", 188 guy, a little bit on the smaller side, would he really be the best option as the backup slot corner on this team? And maybe he does it from the practice squad as an elevation as needed because he was already cut this preseason, went through the waiver process, and the Ravens got him. So that's pretty far down the line in terms of yep. you know the cut process. Um, or now that he's got some good tape under his belt, is that too risky a situation? And I, I think the Ravens are pretty measured on this. I think Hayes probably ends up going to the practice squad based on um, who he is and the fact that he's a third-year player and you have less option risk being destroyed if you lose him. Yeah, I think uh, – what's the possibility we snag some people off the waiver wire? Yeah. Definitely a possibility. Definitely a possibility. The waiver wire, even more likely a possibility that uh, maybe someone gets cut at the end of camp and they they like some fifth-year corner or there's another veteran out there that they want to sign or they trade for somebody. Um, you know, you know, my big trade that I've been suggesting now for a while. So, you know, they, the position of strength they could trade from his inside linebacker. If you want to find a corner around the league, uh, you know, that would be a possibility as well. 
All right, let's keep talking. I, I can't hear you right now if you're talking, so we'll just uh, I'll just keep going here. Go over to the inside linebacker position. Trenton Simpson does not look like he's going to get a lot of playing time this year. If if uh, you know Queen is still on the Ravens roster come opening day, and if if that's the case, I think they're a committed nickel team, and they'll be that way the whole year. But uh, how important is it for Simpson to see live fire in this last preseason game? I think it's really important. I think uh, McDonald maybe tried to hide Simpson a little bit with the last couple of drives. Uh, it was all-out pressure. He maybe dropped back a handful of times, mm-hmm. but a majority of the time he was a linebacker going on the rush, and he didn't make he didn't mean seem to make much of a difference in the pocket, which was disappointing as well. Well, he had the sack fumble minus nine where he ran over the court running back on the on that last drive. So that was kind of nice. But I, I agree. I mean, I think he, the, my problem is that he has a, a, a very significant overlapping skill set with Queen. So it's not clear to me how you really ever get him on the field during the regular season if Queen and Roquan are both healthy. You can get him on the field in a, you know, in a mop-up role. But how do you ever get him on the field when – you really need him to perform at a high level during this first year. Uh, and how do you get him on significantly? Cause I cannot come up with the package that makes sense for him to be on the field um, uh, as a defender uh, with, with queen and Roquan there as well. Yeah. I think the horses they had that are in front of him are just too skilled. I don't think he has any real room to get on the field. Like you said, maybe in cleanup time if we're up big, but it's going to be tough for him to find a way even if we go. Losing you, you're in and out, Frazier. All right, I'm sorry. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep moving here and and uh hopefully you'll you'll come back in terms of the sound here. Uh a lot of mix and match opportunities with their backup line linebackers after Harrison is off the field. Delshawn Phillips. A fourth-year player actually has to go through waivers. I think there are probably enough teams in the National Football League who kind of have an eye on what Delshawn Phillips has done in this preseason. There's enough tape on him out there that I think special teams' reputation that he might get selected if he's cut. So the question is, has he really made the roster? And And then the Ravens have all of a sudden five inside linebackers they're carrying. They've done it before, so they could do it again. But it still seems like kind of a lot for this team. Yeah, I think uh, Delshawn Phillips has shown a lot this preseason. He's shown kind of more of a veteran presence. But being that he is a fourth-year player, you know how much I like Josh Ross. And I value his how young he is and how knowledgeable he is of the game. I think it should be Queen, Roquan, Harrison, Ross, Simpson, and then... Phillips and Welch in that order. Well, not obviously Queen and Roquan, but you get what I'm saying. So the back half. You have Phillips getting cut, if that's the case, unless you have somebody else getting traded. Yeah, exactly. Okay. All right. So uh, if we look back at the last two games in order of entry, we saw Phillips come in and start the game with Harrison. Uh, and, he, and first game, I think they started the game as well in that game with 40 and 53 at linebacker. So if, if that's the case, you know, why didn't Simpson play in Delshawn's spot with Malik on right. those 
you know, you know, and I, I just looking at how the Ravens are viewing it, I think Delshawn is is has a more secure roster spot based on where I am right now. Yeah. Do you think Ross clears waivers? Maybe. He didn't really play great in this last game. He had some uh things that that didn't really look that great against the run. Um I think it's possible he clears. And so we'll we'll see. And I think maybe you take a chance also. He's a second year player now, so it doesn't have quite the same option value he did a year ago. Uh, and maybe you, you just take a chance and have to run him through on the roster of spot. And, you know, sometimes you're deep in a position and you just deal with it. And then the other possibility is maybe the Ravens trade someone. So maybe Malik Harrison isn't on the team come opening day. Maybe Delshawn Phillips, they you know trade for a seventh, say, or maybe they trade Queen and, and really get the cornerback they need. Yeah, I think, like you mentioned, that's the area of surplus that we can mm-hmm. definitely reap some kind of capital benefit from. Let's move on to safety here. Uh, talk a little bit about this. A lot of guys playing safety in this game don't really have a particularly good chance to make the team. I, I imagine we'll see Worley in the early going, and I do think Worley is going to make the team because I think he gives them a lot of versatility, and they kind of bubble-wrapped him in this last game after a terrific performance in the first game where he basically almost single-handedly won all the high-leverage plays that closed out the game. Yep. I, I I guess the question is this. Worley also is a flexible handshake guy. So he'll be cut and then returned, I would think, by week one. They might even cut him and return him week two. Who knows uh, if they if they, if they they want to play that game. Um, they're probably taking a risk, and they probably know it if they do. And I think there might be other NFL teams who'd be interested. Um, but, you know, that's the nature of these guys. They don't go through the waiver process when you have as much experience as they do. And, and uh, you hopefully get a good understanding build up between the two and a level of trust. And I think Worley realizes like a lot of special teams players do that. This is a great situation that the Ravens really love him based on the 18 or whatever it was transactions last year. And that this is a good spot for him. So I hope he's, uh, he, he demonstrates a little bit of returned loyalty to the Ravens uh, after seeing how they've treated him. Yeah. It'd be nice to have that back end depth uh, just ready to go whenever I think, um, our Darius having experience there does help, but we need that nickel really, really locked up by him. So mm-hmm. having that additional back end talent is definitely crucial. So Geno Stone is on the team. Um, I don't think anybody's questioning that. And then they've got Worley probably as the additional safety there and, and also gives you some some variability. And then a guy who uh Houston Carson, very similar to Worley, probably not as good in terms of uh, what he's accomplished in this preseason, but it's similar in terms of, you know, he made a play, picked up a fumble, was in the right place. I think he did a little bit less of that on the back end, but then on that final drive, as you mentioned, pretty much everybody was at the line of scrimmage rushing the passer. They didn't have anybody drop into coverage uh, f- from the safety group. They had uh, Lucien was, uh, was rushing the passer too. And, uh, uh, and so was uh, Houston Carson. So, uh, I, I don't really see him as a factor on the roster, though. You know, potentially is a is a practice squatter. Yeah, potentially. I think uh, safety is one of those positions where everything's pretty much set in stone, and what we're going to do. I don't think there's much variation there. Right. I I agree. I think that the the real question is probably Lucian and how aggressively they want to try and. Um, position him to learn the safety role. And that's where he's, he's played pretty well in these two games. 
if you put him at safety, one of the things he said to me on the interview the other day was that, you know, he would, he would take it as a good thing because it would give him the whole year potentially to learn the safety position and extremely mature attitude with regard to that, by the way. And I think that um, it it could really be good for him. And, you know, injuries happen in the national football league. Uh, He seems to be a very fast learner and a very smart guy. So this would be a case of of something where he could find himself on the game day roster uh, sometime in midseason if there's an injury. Yeah, I was really impressed with the interview uh, that you had on your show. I think he, like you said, being an engineer, graduating, getting his degree, I think that's really impressive for him mm-hmm. to translate that knowledge and work ethic onto the field. It can only do you well and excelling in what you do. Let's move over to outside linebacker. Uh, all right. So one of the questions will be, do we see a Jabo in this game? Uh, a guy who's still frankly seen some fairly limited live fire, but he's also in the Ravens plans to be a situational pass rusher. I think he'll be active uh, every week uh, this year. Where are you on getting him some additional play in this final preseason game? Um, I think it doesn't hurt to for him to get his confidence up. I think he can him and Odafe. I think we we experienced this with with Odafe straight uh, firsthand. Once he gets to the top of the rush, he kind of just starts bull rushing. I think this game gives Ojabo the opportunity to start actually using moves and implementing them instead of worrying about the outcome of the play because it's a preseason game. If they get the first down, if they get a touchdown, it doesn't matter. You're here to really focus on your technique and make sure you can do best as an individual and hone in on your craft because last game he played in the first quarter on the first two drives and he really didn't have any noticeable pressure. I think he had maybe one coming off the left edge. He mm-hmm. did give him a little push, but a bull rush nonetheless. Yep. No finesse, no none of the moves we saw in Michigan. So I think he needs to understand the speed of the game, and God forbid that injury that he suffered in the training camp is hindering him because all you heard before that injury is how fast he is, how quick he is, how much burst he has. When you say the training camp, you really mean at his pro day last year, right? Where he got hurt? No, I, I mean, the word at a camp was that Ojabo is looking good. No, I, no, I, I'm, I'm buying that. You, you mentioned, God forbid, the, the, you're referring to the Achilles injury though, that he had previously and that that hopefully hasn't had some impact on him. Didn't he have a little flare-up in the middle of camp that forced him to be out for two, three days, four days? Yeah, you're right. He was out for a few days. He was out for a yeah. few days. Yeah. I'm hoping that that's not something that affected him and his uh, explosiveness because the way they were talking about him in the beginning of camp doesn't seem like it's relating or translating over to the field. So maybe there is something there that's causing him to not play freely. I got another theory on it is that he got so badly burned and he kind of burned himself from the first game in terms of maintaining the edge mm-hmm. that he overcorrected in the other direction to be more of a two gap edge defender, you know, make sure that the edge was set properly. 
and that he needs to find that happy equilibrium. And the truth of the matter is, I'm I'm all in favor of your way of playing him this week. Is show me the all-out pass rush. Show me move after move. Get after the quarterback. Um, wreak havoc, and don't worry about the consequences. The people, you know, your teammates will pick it up behind you. And let's see what you can do in terms of compound move. But basically, stick it to whoever that tackle is. They're not going to be a very athletic tackle. It's going to be a second-string guy that he faces. Um, and, and, and stick it to him, uh, play after play. Give him a hard first move that forces him to react and see how easy it is to, give, to, to show him the second move off of that. And I think Ajabo, in, in particular, away as well, um, who won't play in this game no matter what, uh, you know, are very well suited to do that. And, and Ajabo, actually, he really needs to, to get comfortable with that at the NFL level again and stop worrying about um, losing the edge. Because, frankly, I don't think he's going to be on in any run situations pretty much the entire year. Yeah, I think he sealed his fate in the beginning of the preseason. Yeah. I think he's especially going to be a third down package guy, maybe second down and long in obvious pass situations. Uh, not to say he might not be able to fill in on the run here and there, but it looks like I personally cannot wait to see Odafe in the sense of where is he at in his career? Because we haven't got to see him in the preseason at all. I want to see if he's developed that pass rush, if he's made that transition from speed to power, because he has the potential. He has the, the measurables. It's all about just putting it on the field. And Ojabo has disappointed so far. It's super early. It's only the third preseason week. But I'm excited to see what he has to offer because Odafe needs to work out. Ojabo needs to work out. Tavius Robinson hasn't shown any burst. I think he's more so a run-fit guy, just a heavy hand in the run game. Uh, Clowney, he's a veteran. He can give you something on the fact that he has the savvy IQ that most young players don't have on how to get through on a tackle, how to get through on a guard, on a stunt, or going on an over. I think <laughs> if we have a lot riding on this outside linebacker room, we haven't shown any pressure in the preseason, not to say that's going to result into the regular season, but you would like to see that some of that additional coaching that we bring in in the offseason pay off a little bit. Yeah, you, you would like to see that. And, and honestly, to be fair, haven't seen any of their three best pass rushers on the outside. Haven't seen Bowser, obviously, because he's been hurt the whole time, and that's not not a good thing. It does yeah. bode, bode very poorly for the team for the season. But we haven't seen Adafe uh, in a preseason games. He's looked really good in practice, but, but we have not seen him in the preseason. And we haven't seen any of uh, of Clowney as yet. And so we'll... we'll uh, We'll, we'll see there. And I, I'm putting Clowney ahead of Ajabo. And he, Ajabo may actually be the team's third best pass rusher or, or even second best pass rusher, uh, you know, potentially. But it's just not obvious right now that that is the case. I do think he'll be active on a weekly basis, whereas I think Tavius Robinson is going to get a lot of inactives now with the acquisition of, of Clowney. Yep. And, uh, and the other guy that I, I really want to make sure we hit on is Malik Ham. Yeah, because we we saw him drop now eleven times in two games. I think he's almost certainly headed to the practice squad, but he he does he has not been targeted yet into in in eleven drops. It makes me feel pretty good about the possibility that he could be the backup Sam. How many drops did he have against 11, the Commanders? 
Oh, uh, five, six, and then five against the Commanders. But it was okay. it was a higher percentage of the pass snaps he was in for. So it went up from twenty four to thirty one from game game one to game two. Yeah, and that's something we talked about in the pregame last week. Mm-hmm. Is can Malik Ham get those opportunities dropping in Sam mm-hmm. uh, into a zone? I think he's shown flashes in the pass rush, and they're obviously giving them opportunity on the outside covering. So uh, hopefully he clears through waivers and we can get to retain him in the practice squad. I think he's he's key depth and what we want to accomplish, especially if Clowney cannot be the zone guy we need him to be on the outside as a Sam. Mm-hmm. We can bring in the younger guy with, quite frankly, more faster feet, more agile compared to Clowney, who's more of a power rusher trying to get to the quarterback in between the tackles. So I'm excited for Malik Ham. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think they'll use Clowney in a hybrid role because I think he's there to eat some early down Sam snaps as a run Mm -hmm. defender who can give you a little bit of pass rush. And then on third down, he's going to be in there in the package. But as you said, probably rushing from the inside. Yeah, honestly, I know in the Eagles pregame, I said I wasn't really a fan of Clowney. I still am skeptical about the signing Mm -hmm. uh, in the sense of he's quit on the teams before. And I just don't – not to say that Van Noy would be a better signing. He was just the more surefire thing at Sam. And we can clearly define what to do for Odafe and uh, Ojabo. But mm-hmm. now that he's in the picture, it gives us more flexibility on the interior defensive line. And it doesn't force us to play Pierce as much because we can give him a breather and put uh, – Travis in there and not force Urban to be in there at every play. So it gives our other veteran guys relief as well with this clowny signing. So Malik Ham being on the practice squad is going to be essential into getting a better rotation on the defensive line. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, they, they had well over two, uh, I think it was about 2.2 defensive line snaps per play, where in 2018, I think there was something like 176. Uh, so that's actually a huge difference. That's like getting one additional player to play 44% of the snaps is, is what you got to think of it as. And, you know, having Clowney to take a lot of these obvious pass situations on the inside does reduce your total snap count workload for your, for your defensive line. And that's just, it is a very big deal. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Outstanding talking about this. I think we had some other general comments, but we already at an hour and 13, I'm going to cut it off here. Frazier, uh, terrific doing this uh, with you during this preseason. I think we'll we'll get together for at least one show during the regular season to review either the offense or defense. But tell folks where they can talk uh, football with you online. You guys can find me at Twitter, uh, F underscore R-A-V-E-8. That's F underscore Rave8. All right, outstanding. Other folks out there, if you'd like to be on a film study short, hit me up with a DM on Twitter. This is the way I meet people, and uh, you know, great pleasure to meet Frazier here. And already, we've done three shows in a, in, in short order, and uh, I've really enjoyed our discussions, Frazier. And I, I and I want you out for more. And again, you know, I I'll, I'll I'll say this: I do about 320 shows per year, 330 shows per year, and all those, all but 10, are done with a guest. And nobody does more than about 10 to 12 shows at the absolute top end. So I'm looking for new people to meet all the time who'd like to do a show or two every once in a while. And, uh, and 
and uh, you know, talk football with me. I always appreciate it, and I really enjoy meeting new people. Frazier, thanks again for coming on. Thanks for having me, Ken. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.